Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Welcome back. Today we're here with Michael Mazur. He is the Vice President of Business Development and Operations for a company called Kolu. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on today. Tell us in about 30 seconds, what is Kolu? So Kolu is a GovTech company based in New York that works with cities and local governments to encourage residents to promote positive behaviors. So basically rewarding people for taking positive actions. And what would be an example of a positive action that you guys promote? So a big part of it from an economic development perspective also is incentivizing uh, residents, visitors, whoever it may be to shop local and rewarding them. And we create what is called a city coin. And that city coin effectively is the economic driver that incentivizes a specific behavior. And this is probably pretty timely. Uh, Christmas just ended, but I know in the months leading up to Christmas, that was everyone's push. How do we get our residents to spend more money in our local businesses, especially in our small businesses after um, going through a couple of years of COVID? It's turned out it's been our small businesses that have been most affected. How long has the company been in existence? Was it around at the beginning of the pandemic? Was this something that you had, these coins, something that you had before the pandemic, or is this something that you came up with during the pandemic? Yeah. So Kolo has been around for about five years. Okay. And initially the focus was on the European market. I joined Kolo, uh, believe it or not, in March of 2020. Um, I didn't know that a pandemic. <laughs> Good timing. Me. Yeah. Yes. Um, and my the, the reason that I joined was really to bring the company to the U.S. market. Uh, we had not worked with any city at the time. Um, you know, as I joined, the pandemic started hitting and we really had to get creative. I mean, in the past, what we did in other cities in Europe was rewarding people for doing a lot of different things, right? It could be shopping at local businesses, but it could be taking public transportation. It could be uh, reporting to 311. It could be walking 10,000 steps per day. But we saw that in the pandemic, one of the main common denominators from doing a lot of research and speaking to a lot of cities in a short amount of time was that they saw that small businesses were being hit unbelievably. And we had to really quickly become what we call a COVID compatible to cities. And we transitioned, we created blog posts and a lot of material for cities really to see how they can use our technology to get people to shop locally, even during the pandemic. And we were able to initially partner with the city of Akron, which was our first city. In because Ohio, Akron, Ohio, Ohio. Yeah. Okay. Akron, Ohio, a mid-sized city, um, James Hardy uh, was working there at the time and they really wanted to, to look outside the box um, because, you know, grants and loans, again, from an economic development perspective, are fairly straightforward, but cities don't or didn't even at the time have a way to measure their impact, right? What's the economic impact generated from a grant or from a loan and, and what are businesses even doing with those grants and loans, right? So what we wanted to do is help them create this incentive model. So anytime someone shops at a local business, they can earn 
these city coins in Akron. And the city was really just eager to, to be the first. And that was amazing because as everyone knows here, it, it is tough to innovate within government. And there really has to be uh, a lot of sort of thinking outside the box that happens. So we're able to start and launch the program there fairly quickly um, in August. So from March is when I started in August, we, we really launched in our first city. So how does this coin work? I would imagine it's something like a credit card reward points, right? You spend some money, you get some reward. Then what do you do with that reward? You spend that elsewhere? Yeah. So each city gets their own, what we call like a white label app. So in Akron, it's called Akronite. In Boston, our program is called Be Local. In um, San Mateo County, it's called um, Choose Local SMC. So each city has their own app and, and the app store, the Google Play, you can check it out. Anytime someone shops at a local business, they earn these local coins, right? So it could be get 10% back for shopping at any business in the city, but then get another 5% back for shopping at women-owned businesses. Get another 5% back if it's at a minority-owned business. It's also ways to drive a different sort of um, uh, efforts to promote inclusivity, to promote diversity, equity, and so forth, or earn extra points for shopping in specific underserved neighborhoods, right, for example. And once you earn, let's say I shopped, I, I connected, I linked to my card. I used that credit card to shop at this business or debit card. I spent $10 and let's say I get 15% back, right? So I get a dollar and a half uh, worth of city coins. I can then only use that one and a half dollars worth of city coins at a local business. So I can only redeem them at local businesses in the city. So let's say I've accumulated $20 worth of city coins. I can then redeem them, let's say by lunch. Um, the whole point here is to create what we call a circular economy to make sure that the dollars that are spent local stay local and give the cities the ability to monitor the data and to see, okay, how are people using these dollars? How do we sort of look at people's pricing elasticity? What's enough rewards to get people to not shop at Amazon, for example? Like what's enough of that elasticity that we have? Is it 25% back that'll get me to shop at the local convenience store? Is it 15? And we can really work around the data uh, and come up with better conclusions and how to improve the program moving forward. Right. So the city then pays for the the coins, right? Is that how that works? The city puts forward money that then is used as the coins that then reimburses the uh, the business. Um, yeah. So so the budgets typically come from the cities. Okay. And at certain cities, we also have third parties sure. that uh, add funds. So it could be a third party that wants to promote specific businesses or specific cause, right? It could be a local foundation that wants to support women or minority-owned businesses in the city. But ultimately, there's a pool, right, that comes in, and that pool is the reward budget. That reward budget is used as the sort of local coins that are given to the residents or visitors or whomever it may be that shop local. Typically, the prerequisite is for the businesses, in this case, if it is shopping local, to be local, right? It can't right. be, if I live in Boston, it's not going to be to shop at a business based in, in Chicago, right? Um, but on the other hand, right, we, we see that, especially now, putting the, the Omicron variant aside, cities are starting to really push forward tourism, right? How mm -hmm. do we reinvigorate tourism in cities? And this is something that we see has a lot of potential because, how do you attract cities? How do you attract people to come into a city? You can also incentivize them, you know, come into a city, get uh, $80 worth of city coins, and then use them locally, feel like a local experience the city. Don't go to Starbucks, nothing better against Starbucks, go to the local cafe, right? And, and things right. like that. Okay. So this allows the city to, or whoever, to put forward some money and then they can 
see exactly where that money was spent and how it was used and, and the sort of impact of this money, right? Because if they're putting forward, let's say, let's say it's 10%, they can tell that if they put forward, say, $50,000, they know there's $500,000 worth of economic impact that they can show, they can prove. Exactly. So we can show the economic multiplier, right? And the city funds that come into this program. Right. So we can say that in a lot of our cities, it's over six times uh, economic multiplier off the dollars injected to the program. So we're really seeing a lot of success in the cities because we can really monitor and say, okay, hey, for every dollar that you put in here, we can see what that's creating. We can also see, right, one of the, the main questions that come up is how do you really measure success, right? Because we don't know, and I don't think anyone can know, how much, let's say, people shop at local businesses, would they have done so even without the incentive, right? How right. do we really know? So one of the metrics that we look at is, is the amount that people are spending at local businesses. And we're seeing now that over the course of a year, people have been spending in a lot of the cities over 20% more money at local businesses because they know that they're getting incentivized, right? So from a behavioral economics perspective, the incentive not only drives people a time to shop at a local business versus the alternative, right? But it also, again, taking into account the assumption that some people would have regardless shopped at local businesses, it's getting them to spend more, right? So that's another factor that sometimes we don't think about as much. It's how much are people spending at these local businesses? So we're basically rewarding people directly with cash as they change their behavior. So this is making it into a game, right? The more they shop, the more they do, uh, whatever this behavior is, the more they're rewarded. Yes, gotcha. we, we're big proponents of, of gamification and behavioral economics. Uh, you know, Dan Ariely, that was sure. a big part of our program too. And, and, you know, we, the gamification part in my mind is one of the biggest ways to get the average Joe or Jane in a city to be engaged. So we call it civic pride, right? How do you get someone to be more engaged in the city? You gamify it, right? Like a bunch of other things we do in our lives. Right. Uh -huh. One thing that we've started now in cities is having the sort of, um, in, in your profile, you can see how much you've spent locally and you have different tiers. So like city champion, city hero, the more you spend, the more you kind of, then you can show your friends, hey, look, I'm a city hero. They go like with airlines, right? You can be silver, gold, platinum. Right. Same thing. And, and those are things that again, consciously and subconsciously get you to constantly think about shopping locally. So when you make that subconscious decision, am I going to shop at a local business or am I going to shop on Amazon? Am I going to shop at, you know, Starbucks or a local cafe? You think twice. And sometimes again, we underestimate how much knowing these things in the back of our mind can influence our decision. And as you had mentioned, change our behavior over time. Right. So that is so interesting. You said Akron was the first. So in Akron, were they just incentivizing for local businesses or were there other incentives for other things? I think you mentioned women-owned businesses or minority-owned businesses. Were they incentivizing for that as well? Yeah, Akron. So it was shopping at local businesses, but there were different reward offers that also specifically rewarded or gave additional boost uh, percent back to people who shopped at Black-owned businesses in the city. Mm -hmm. um, the city also has been promoting a bunch of other initiatives through the app. So the app itself, and I'm sure we can show links, has different content. Um, and you can basically tell the story about the business owners, who are these business owners, um, what's their story and things like that. So the city of Akron also really did a lot to promote 
LGBTQ-owned businesses, to promote minority-owned businesses, women-owned businesses in the city. And one of the main things that I'll say is that in Akron, we've seen a lot of success. We hear the sirens in New York <laughs> City. Um, one of the, the, the main uh, successes that we've seen in the past is, in the past few months, actually, uh, there was a big campaign with Goodyear where Goodyear really said uh, that they, uh, the top redeemers in the city of Akron for a month long period would get a ride on the Goodyear blip. And it was like a competition in the city. Okay. And suddenly we saw that because of this competition, the numbers went up like crazy. People really were excited because not only were they rewarded for shopping local, but they had this goal. And we saw it was really amazing to see how Having this, there, there's a sentimental value of the blimps in Akron because of Akron being, you know, the, the old Goodyear and so forth. And people really just started, um, there was like buzz in the air from this. So I can say that with Akron, it's been fascinating because we started in August of 2020. We're now, you know, last week of, of 2021. And we've really seen it evolve. And we've seen obviously ups and downs depending on specific variants, stay at home orders. You know, it's a fascinating time with the pandemic, but I think from a consistency perspective, we see that people are constantly using the app and we really see that behaviors have been changed. Uh, I fly out to Akron every so often and it's amazing to walk around the streets and see in Akron, the, the app is called Akronite and the reward coins are called blimps. So you see blimps all over, you see events, you see different things that are going on. And right now we are starting to talk about different use cases. So ways to promote people for could be taking public transportation, uh, scooters, could be things like a 311 apps, like I had mentioned, even in other cities, we're talking about vaccinations, right? How do you, can you incentivize people to get vaccinated through the app? So from an economic development perspective, often, yes, the shopping at local businesses, the impact that it has, right? More taxes locally, more jobs, um, more civic pride and so forth. But then on the other hand, there are a lot of other civic minded behaviors that can indirectly create that effect, especially when you talk about cities that want to attract more economic development, that want to bring more tourism, that want to bring more corporations to come in, right? So that's a big part of it uh, also that we're trying to to focus on. And, you know, time, it's just a fascinating time to be around with the pandemic, I must say. That's interesting that you mentioned that because that's what, that was sort of what my next question was. When the company started, you were in working with cities in Europe and you were trying to gamify and change the behaviors around these various things that weren't necessarily economic. Now, as people are using the apps in their cities more, you have more opportunities, right? Because you could almost roll out new uh, incentivized behaviors all the time. Is that? Yeah. I mean, we, we, we talk about the network effect, right? How do you achieve this network effect in cities of, of having a certain critical mass of users and businesses so that once you can incorporate new initiatives, new businesses, it will trickle to them, right? And I'll just give you an example. We started with Akron, but now we've evolved. So we're in San Mateo County, we're in Rancho Cordova, in Chula Vista, Peachtree Corners. So really all over uh, the U.S., a lot in the West Coast, but also East Coast and Midwest. And we can see that for a program to be successful, there have to be initial incentives that come into place to sort of instigate the behavioral change. So start th this common misconception is like technology will solve all the solutions and all the problems, right? As the solution will solve the problem, but that's really not the case, right? Ultimately, especially in cities, when you implement a technology, 
it's not this cookie cutter approach where a, a, a private sector company will come in and, and create everything and then say, here, go take this app and good luck. We realize that it really requires a lot of handholding, boots on the ground, initial implementation to really get the cities set up and for this, what we call B to G to C app, right, to come into play. Okay. Um, and a lot of what we see in the beginning in order to get to that critical mass, in order to get to the network effect, is working with an incentives. So incentivizing merchants to join the program. By, by telling merchants, that's often not enough because business owners, it, that's a big, uh, that was a big challenge for us, right? How do you get business owners to opt in? It's free for them. The city covers the cost. It's only bottom line value for them. But how do you get business owners who are suffering? They're struggling. They're dealing with a bunch of other things to do and, and to take action and spend even the 20, 30 minutes to get trained. It's, it's much easier said than done. So we've realized and built over time a playbook for cities to really explain the value to businesses and get those initial ones onboarded. So then there is this, what we call social proof. So other businesses who won't be the early adapters will also join on. And that's how we get to that critical mass. Gotcha. Now, is this something that would work for very small cities as well? Because basically every city you've mentioned is sort of like a mid-size community. What's the smallest sort of one the that's smallest is The smallest is Peachtree Corners in Georgia. Uh, I'm looking up their exact population now, so I don't, uh, and they have about 43, 45,000, uh, okay. that's the population. That's typically the smallest when we talk about a city. However, we are working with counties like San Mateo County, and then that's probably the best way to handle, um, a certain area that has a lot of smaller, uh, municipalities and, and that way you can create the network effect. In areas, because again, we know that it takes time, right? These these programs are not this, you know, uh, immediate successes. They take sometimes a few months till they ramp up. And with larger cities, again, you have a greater critical mass of users, a greater ability to get more merchants. And we're definitely working though with certain, like sometimes it's a few cities together um, to oh, work on okay. programs. But we always say, what is your... Obviously, the incentive is is one driver, right? Get rewarding people for shopping local and so forth. But what else? And what we really try and maintain is the sense of civic pride, which I had mentioned. And that's where it comes into play. So what's the sort of overarching entity that um, that the user, again, B2G2C, is familiar right. with? Sometimes the right. city just isn't enough. That makes sense. Now, is this something that on the ground, then in the community, requires a committee of people or... One of the problems that I'll, we always see, especially in the smaller communities, but even into mid-sized communities, is that anytime there's a new program that's being implemented, suddenly there's these advisory committees and all these committees that get together and, and talk, 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 that tend to slow down the uh, implementation. Is that the case? Or is this something that a, a community that has the funds to do it can just sort of say, hey, we want to do this, let's jump through it and do it. And it doesn't require a lot of citizens to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, we're, we're all for citizen engagement, but when it comes to implementing the app, we can do it within, I think the quickest was like two months that we oh, were Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and you're right. At times really to innovate or to, to create these types of programs, we need to really just get it up and running. And while we do it, of course, once we launch, a big part of it is working with the local business owners, working with local groups. But once the app is up, right, first we make sure to do the branding, to get the initial merchants onboarded, to get 
everything, the infrastructure set up. Once that happens, then we work with the city again, as part of the sort of toolbox that we give them is the civic engagement element of it. And also another thing to mention, the app itself could eventually also reward people for responding to surveys, right? Think about it that way. Sure. How do you get cities to, to, you know, right now, well, I say, what's the, what's typically the only way to get the city also to, to listen to you or, or do you, you can write an email, you can go maybe to city hall or so forth, but maybe there are other ways to kind of create this connection between the, the city officials and the residents. Uh, and sometimes the incentives may be the way to start it, right? Sure. Yeah. Can the cities communicate with the residents through the app? So the city can put up what we call reward offers on the app and that's, okay. um, or also a story is what we call. The stories are things that are on the app, which is part of the value of it, which are not related to incentives. So it could be a story of like a, an event that's going on. Could be a story of a certain nonprofit that the city wants to promote. Whatever it may be, the call to action there is learn more. Learn more about your city, be, be part of something, come join this volunteering event, whatever it may be. And the city has the option. It's like, think about the Instagram story. So you have this story and, and you can add that. And we've seen that be, again, once we hit that network effect, once the city is able to get enough users and merchant, then it's also a way for them to disseminate information. During the height of the pandemic, some cities you know, talked about safety protocols on the app. So when you think about it, right, Facebook and Twitter and all these uh, centralized, what we call platforms, they, a city typically is on those platforms and that's how they communicate with residents, right? But on the other hand, those algorithms that Facebook and Twitter have often make it very challenging to really get this sort of true information quickly. And what we're really trying to help cities do is have this kind of direct conduit of communication with residents or visitors, right? Or employees to really mm -hmm. learn. Um, and the app, there's a map. So they can just walk around and say, okay, what are the businesses that are local businesses near me? Who are these people? Um, and, and we see that as a big part, right? It's, it's like I was urging the incentives are often not the only reason that people change their behavior. They really have to be connected to the cause. And I was actually very surprised to see in cities like Boston, that the sheer quantity of people who really wanted to be part of this cause, wanted to help minority owned businesses in the city, wanted to help all local businesses. I, it's something that sometimes we just need this sort of a path of least resistance to do it because we all want to do it, but we need right. some just easiest way to, to get it done. And that's where we've really tried to, to focus on making it very simple for people and for cities to implement. That makes sense. And then not only, you're 100% correct. We all, we all want to do the right thing. We all want to do um, good, but it is hard because we have to change our behaviors. And so the incentives then are helping in a sense to make that easier make that uh, transition easier. They're, like we say, incentivizing changing of our behavior. So what's the future? Like what is next after this? As I'm sure that you guys have learned a whole bunch during this and you started one way and then it was all about uh, getting dollars into local businesses. What's next? What's the next thing? So we're absolutely growing fairly quickly and expanding to new cities. So we're at about 10 cities now and I believe that in, by the end of 2022, we will probably triple that amount uh, at this pace. Um, we're also really looking at how the world is changing, right? Uh, from what we see, uh, the Web 2 to Web 3. Um, if I know some city officials are already talking about it, the blockchain, crypto. Mm -hmm. um, these are things that I'm sure some of the people have been hearing about, you know, Mir Suarez in Miami and 
even uh, Mayor Ad- new incoming Mayor Adam New York um, City that where I live that are really starting to think about ways to incorporate the blockchain and crypto into certain things. Um, the the biggest thing that we're looking at there is just this sort of intermediate phase and in, in how that's going to happen. Um, we know that there's that city coin initiative uh, in other cities, but really looking at that. But on the other hand, right now, there's so many things that we have to tackle today, and that's supporting the minority-owned businesses, the women-owned businesses, promoting equity in cities, helping cities really get people to, to patronize businesses in specific neighborhoods. Um, and now we also talk a lot about sustainability. How do we get people to not drive their own car for a five-minute ride when they actually have a bike nearby or a bus or a jitney, right? whatever it may be? So really working on those things to help cities also reduce carbon emissions, to help them do things like that. So I think we're, we're, we're on one hand really pushing forward um, and working with additional cities and really trying to make sure that we can help and support and get the amazing numbers. You know, we have well over a million dollars of economic activity in Boston in less than a year uh, that the app is generated and really pushing that forward. And then on the other hand, looking at what's happening in, in the world um, and seeing how we can help support cities, again, reach this sort of uh, improved economic activity for that perspective, but also look at into the future and make things more efficient and affordable for residents and visitors and, and employees in cities. This is fascinating. So many things come down from, especially on the internet, from Facebook, the messaging gets directed at us and makes us change our behaviors because it, but it's interesting that cities can, with technology like yours, can take an active part in that and craft these better behaviors in their residents. This is excellent. So. Let's just talk a little bit about you, just personally, a little bit. You, um, from what I understand, you were born in the U.S., moved to Israel, then you came back for the company. Is that how this all played out? Yeah, I had a lot of back and forth. Uh, born in Israel, born in the U.S., moved to Israel, um, then moved back here, back to Israel, then back here again. <laughs> um, I actually beforehand started a company that dealt with uh, electric vehicle charging and shared mobility in cities. Um, so I started that in about 2016. I expanded it to about 12 cities internationally and then had the opportunity to join Kolu where I, I genuinely saw this, this from working again with cities for those four years and really handling a lot of the public-private partnerships and being fully immersed into that world without any experience. I sort of kind of jumped right in and, and, and started from scratch and then saw a lot of success there. But once I saw what Kolo was doing and I saw from my knowledge in the, this void in cities all over. And for me, this was like, holy, like, wow, like this is something we, we, that has to happen. Um, and that's how I joined uh, the company in 2020. Um, really, cause I, I saw the potential in cities and I said that I, I have to be part of this. And yeah, so for me, I think that the, my biggest mission is, is obviously being able to, to connect the, technology and innovation with government, I, I see that there are so many opportunities that exist, but they so often fail. And there's so many, so much money that at times is just thrown away and, and does not, you know, I, I see things and I see how a lot of times certain cities operate, not all cities. And there's so many opportunities to make things better if there are things that can be implemented, like these technologies that, that incentivize behaviors and, and do things like that. Um, 
So that's where, where I'm very passionate and I see so much opportunity in the next few years, especially because of the pandemic. Again, like you mentioned, there's the negative side, obviously, but if you look at the silver lining, that's, I would have never believed that I could sign a contract with the city without ever having been there, been there in person. Right. I mm-hmm. would have never believed that I would be able to zoom into these calls, zoom into city hall meetings to speak in front of councils and mayors and get programs approved virtually. In my wildest dreams in 2018, 19, I would have never believed right. that this is possible. So I think that the, the silver lining is that we realize that there is room to innovate. Sometimes the, the biggest challenges and the biggest types of pandemics create or spark innovation that in my mind will lead to this new evolution of the way cities handle um, handle work with local businesses, handle work with their constituents, handle work with whatever it may be. Um, and so the, 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 this in, the way that we can incorporate technology, I think that we're, we're just at this sort of initial, initial, initial phase. And there will be a lot more evolution of how cities evolve to be more transparent also and to encourage more local-minded. And in one last point here, it's, it's as almost as if in the beginning, right, everything was very local. And, you know, we talk about 70 years ago, whatever. And then slowly but surely we had chains come in. We had all these larger corporations. It's sort of the city became this place where you left, you drove away for work and then you came home and, and then but you had no real connection with your city. So now we see this through technology, this sort of new desire of cities and local governments to sort of reinstigate or instigate this sort of sense of civic pride um, and to get people to really go back to how do we get more local businesses? How do we get more Gen Zs uh, who, who uh, I'm going to, but Gen Zs who just finished college to think about maybe starting their own local business, maybe taking over, maybe doing something and digitizing their, their family, their parents, their grandparents' local business. How do we get people more civic minded? And so that's where we see it so much, so much potential uh, in the next few decades. If any of our listeners would like to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get into contact with you? So you can reach out to me by uh, email, uh, which we can share, michaelcolu.com, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever it may be. Uh, I'm available and and happy to to chat and and just to learn more. I think that the the best we can do is just learn from each other um, with the different local governments, whether it's from the East Coast, West West Coast, Midwest, or other countries. There's always so much to learn. Right, Michael. I, I hope to have you back in a year. This is a fascinating sort of opportunity, this niche. And especially this, what is it, B to G to C? Yep. That, that's phenomenal. Um, good luck with this. Thank you for being a guest today. We really appreciate it, and uh, good luck. Awesome. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.